Hello and welcome to Teen Up Equality. I'm your host Scott and I'm the founder of Leolda, a women's golf clothing brand with the mission to understand the needs of female golfers and positively contribute to increasing female participation. This podcast serves as a platform to tackle the often taboo conversations surrounding women in sports with a balanced perspective and insights from leading experts in the field. Today's episode is all about self-awareness and creating a more inclusive future for girls in sports. Our guest is Lisa West from Women in Sport, an organisation dedicated to empowering and enabling girls and women to reach their full potential through sport. Lisa shares incredible insights on the power of self-awareness and how it can positively impact the experiences of young girls in sports. Following our conversation, stay tuned as I unpack key takeaways with Charlotte, a fashion business consultant who works with us at Leolda. Together, we'll just dissect the key takeaways from my conversation with Lisa, balancing both male and female perspectives for insights not heard before. Let's go. Lisa, yeah, welcome to Teen Up Quality, first guest on the podcast. So hopefully it's a heavyweight episode. Uh, can you just introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, hi. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to, to be here. Um, so my name is Lisa West um, and my role at the moment is Head of Policy Partnerships and Public Affairs at Women in Sport. Um, so I suppose a bit of background to how I got here. Um, I've spent my career in uh, grassroots sport. Um, so I started in a local authority um, and then at Swim England, uh, the national governing body for swimming, um, and then at a sector training provider and consultancy. Um, and my career has always been about using the power of sport, I suppose, to um, to make positive change in people's lives. Um, and naturally, through all of that, I saw the inequalities that girls and women faced, um, did an awful lot of programmes over the years that were targeted at, at girls or women to get them um, to, to take part in sport and physical activity. Um, so it's really nice now in my role at Women in Sport where we take this really sort of strategic view about how we how we make the systemic change that's needed you know what are the really what are the big policy changes what are the big culture change pieces that we need to work on um i think we're well past let's just put a program on now for for girls and and um and see if they want to join in you know we we i think we recognize now as society that there's some really bigger things that need to shift and um, so it's great to be part of working on that yeah brilliant yeah i, I don't think we've realized over the last 20 years in terms of uh how limited girls opportunities in sport have been particularly in primary schools and secondary schools so it's great that it's starting to be spoken more about uh, and obviously awareness is is becoming is increasing really it's amazing actually the amount of conversations that we have at the moment um whether it's department for education or sports saying so you know show us where the show us the great examples of the stuff we're talking about which i'll talk a little bit about um uh, over over our time chatting about you know gender stereotyping and the effects of it and we're kind of saying well there actually aren't the examples this is new this is we're only just addressing this now we can't show exactly where best practice is we could start to show what good practice could look like and we've got little pockets starting to happen but there's no yeah this is just have to do this and it's fixed because obviously otherwise we probably would have done it by now if we if we had those kind of answers yeah and you you don't realize in terms of it was only 60 70 years ago opportunities across life was like limited for for women so everything is really relatively new it's so recent. I mean, yeah, the, the ban on football, the 50-year ban on football was lifted in 1971. Um, but it's 1984 before women are allowed to compete at the Olympics in the marathon. 
Um, and it was uh, the year 2000 before pole vault was allowed um, for women in the Olympic Games. So it's, it's really, really recent stuff. Um, and it's, yeah, lots, lots, um, lots that we still don't know. Uh, lots particularly when it comes to um, female biology and physiology in relation to sport and physical activity. Um, there's just so much we don't know. So yeah, it's all it's all new. Um, and it's just a, a great time to be working in women's sport with with sort of eyes open to what the potential is, both you know, investment opportunity from a um from a, a professional sport perspective, but from a how it can really make a difference to women and girls' lives in society more broadly. Um uh, yeah, and the role sport can play. Do you want to talk more into I know you've done a, a recent project uh, based on the impact of the mixed classes within P through primary schools. Would you like to share more more on that? Yep. Yes. This is a, a, a big um passion piece for me, um, both through work and also um as the parent of a an eight-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. So um it's incredible watching everything that we've done play out in their lives. Um so we have focused the last um year or so on primary aged girls. Um and we released our primary age uh, girls report called Sport Stereotypes and Stolen Dreams um in March this year. Um and Essentially, what the pro- the report brought through is that gender stereotyping is absolutely alive and well, um, and it's really impacting girls' relationship with sport and physical activity. Um, so, and and what we see with gender stereotyping is it starts absolutely at birth. Um, so, you know, the second little girls and little boys are born um, from simple things like you only have to go to buy a newborn baby outfit, and you can buy blue or you can buy pink, um, and the pink is generally glittery and um, frilly and um, we're sort of giving these girls, giving our little girls these roles right from the beginning of, of it, it matters sort of what you look like. And um, and right from the beginning, boys have, um, you know, got footballs all over their clothes. And, you know, we're telling them that that's kind of their their place and their role. Um, and it plays out in the behaviour uh, with the, the little girls and boys then. So um, we did a, an amazing programme a couple of years ago called Daughters and Dads. And, and what we saw through that is that... Um, dads were playing with their little girls and little boys differently so you know they just didn't realize that they could or should rough and tumble with their daughters in the same way as they would with their sons it was this very much well no she's she might she might break or you know I might hurt her or um but at at that age there's very little physical difference between boys and girls um it is there is a tiny difference we see there's a, a testosterone surge that boys have at six months old so even at a very young age there's a very very tiny um estimated to be about six percent physical difference in between boys and girls but you know broadly um rough and if you play rough and tumble with your boys you should rough and tumble with your girls you know there's, yeah. there's really no difference to that and it just starts to set this tone um to the point where when kids come into primary school which is where we really picked up on our research there's already a skill gap. So boys are just more able to kick a ball, throw a ball, um, hit a hit a ball with a bat than girls are. Um, and they are, they just show this physicality in a way that girls aren't aren't showing. Um, and it's thinking sort of the converse to that physicality bit. We've we've sort of given these, given our girls this this value placed on the fact that they keep their clothes tidy and they um they're good and they sit still and you know all of these things that we you hear it, I hear it as a mum um you know the difference between mums of boys and mums of girls of oh I'm so jealous that she just sits so nicely in colours and all of a sudden she's hearing this and thinking oh okay that's 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 good then that I sit still and I sit quietly and I don't run around and um so we're you know it's 
it's so subtle and it's so unintentional because, you know, as parents, everyone wants to do the best by their kids. This isn't something that we're trying to, to take away from our from our children. It's so, so subtle, but it's it's constant. Um, and what we saw is it comes from um, education settings, whether that's, you know, from, from sort of uh, preschool, thinking about nurseries, but then into school, whether it's community, whether it's society more broadly and, and families at home as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a, a, a really, really big area that we need to start unpicking if we're truly going to make a difference. Um, and the bits that we've sort of been working on since then, because what we saw from the primary girls is how much the boys have an impact on them as well. Yeah. Um, so, so many girls were saying, you know, the boys won't let me play. The boys tell me I'm rubbish. Um, this, again, stuff that perhaps we, we might have thought was in our child, in my childhood time, but it's still very much what's happening today. Um, and so we've done a piece that we're about to release next month, which is looking at the little boys. Um, and it's called Mini Allies. And it's really understanding what's making the boys tick, what's driving them to behave the way that they're behaving towards the girls. Um, and I, I won't spoil it all because it's it's going to be absolutely fabulous when it comes out. But essentially, um, this sort of innate value that boys feel that they have on their ability to be good at sport and physical activity um, is, is so strong in them. Um, and they're amazing because when you ask them the questions and you say, you know, should girls be able to play sport? Yes, absolutely. Should women be paid the same for playing sport? Yes, absolutely. Do you want to watch women's sport on TV? Yes, absolutely. And then you put them out on a field and it all goes out the window. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of, they know the right answers. They understand equality and what it means, but they're still very much embedded in them. This, this sort of, um, this sport is synonymous with their value as a human being that we've that we're putting in our boys that we're just not putting in our girls in the same way and have you done any research to understand what the big driver behind that reason is because for me personally I remember back through my school days mm. and we'd never see women's sport on tv so no. you automatically associate that with the yeah. girls that really play sport so has the yeah. changes within professional sport improved like that from that perspective from 20 years ago absolutely um, we can't deny the fact that that the profile that we've got for women's sport now is incredible for everything that we're trying yeah. to achieve um and we did a study uh pre and post the lioness's euros win and before the before the um before the euros our study showed that 50 percent of sporty girls so um the girls that are actually taking part and really enjoying sport were dreaming of reaching the top. So half of the sporty girls were dreaming of being professional athletes, of reaching the top of sport, compared to three quarters of boys. And then post the Euros, that figure for the girls absolutely shot up to level with the boys. So it enabled girls to dream, essentially. Mm -hmm. It suddenly gave them a, this is a real possibility for me. Yeah. Um, so for, for the girls that are engaged in sport and physical activity, absolutely, it's changed their world um the interesting thing from that study is that so of the sporty girls and sporty boys sporty boys are 40 percent of the boys whereas sporty girls are only 20 percent so yeah. there's double the amount of sporty boys so then you take the 80 percent of girls who aren't sporty wouldn't consider themselves sporty and it had very little effect on them actually yeah. didn't really change much about how they viewed themselves in relation to sport and physical activity so what we've done is we've we've totally unlocked the girls that have access yeah but what we need to do now is follow that up 
at the grassroots with opportunities, with sports making real change in in how they offer, um, in the quality of the experience that girls have when they're in those environments, and uh, equally in school as well, because um, that's now what we need to shift. You know, we've 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 absolutely on the right trajectory at the top level, um, but now it's about opportunity for all girls. Yeah, and if there's a, any parents out there with daughters that don't show an interest in sport, is there anything they they can do to to encourage that and to um, not not in a pushy way, but in a, an opportunity way? Yeah, incredibly interesting because, as I said, a lot of this a lot of this sort of behaviour and pattern um, we heard from so many parents. Oh, she's she's just not into that. She's just a girly girl, yeah. and we kind of have, have split these things as if because you're a girly girl, you can't be into sport. Um, and I think there's a um, a real recognition about the, the type of activities, I suppose, that we're encouraging our girls to do. Um, but, you know, so much of this has happened already. And I think for a lot of parents that, that I speak to, you know, they have their g- girls are perhaps doing ballet and gymnastics and swimming, um, which are all traditionally where we see girls. And, you know, they're saying, well, I'd love her to play football, but she doesn't want to. Um but for her, that experience of football or what she sees about football is probably largely defined by the boys in the playground. Yeah. And so her 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 view of football will probably be very limited. And it will be because when you think about sort of the ecosystem of football, it's everything from the um from watching it on TV to the um to the football cards to she will probably feel like it's just not somewhere that she that she belongs, that she's not in the club, that she doesn't know something, that she's missed out on something. And so therefore it's not, it, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's for her. So, I mean, we have a campaign around mums and daughters time together. Um, and I think that's a really powerful message of actually as a, as a mum, you know, so in my situation with primary age kids now, um, I never had the chance to play football. I don't, I am really very, bad at it I'm good at lots of sports I love sport but I'm very bad at football because I've never kicked a ball no one ever invited me to kick a ball no one ever taught me how to kick a ball um and so actually for I suppose if if I felt like I really would love that opportunity for my daughter I think I'd probably have to show that vulnerability myself and learn with her so that she you know can 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 isn't afraid I suppose to expose herself um because that's what generally girls and women are, are much more afraid to do kind of expose those weaknesses and um and just give it a go and see what happens we're kind of all part of the stereotyping just um slightly more likely to want to be comfortable with something before we give it a go yeah I mean a lot of what you said there relates to golf in terms of that sense of belonging um, yeah. golf being historically a male-dominated sport like yeah. you go to a golf club to play even as a visitor or a member and the first thing you do is you walk into the pro shop and yeah. all the products within the pro shop are directed towards men yeah given the fact that guys make up the majority of club golfers and um, as soon as you walk through the door there's that like not intentional but that yeah. intentional subconscious bias that i don't belong yeah. here yeah. i don't play in this sport so yeah it's quite fascinating what you said there relating yeah. that to golf and think and again you know, as I said, thinking about that, if we're encouraging, trying to think about how we encourage our girls into golf, again, taking me as an example. So I was very, very stereotypical, I suppose. I played netball and I did athletics because that was where I was welcomed in as a as a girl. Um, but I can't play golf. Um, and if we think about the value, I suppose, of a sport like golf, um, it's maybe linked with either being a professional or to get you on in business. 
Yeah. And then do we think about the value in the same way for girls and boys? Do we expect that girls would need golf to succeed in their career in a way that perhaps there's still just a little bit of there's probably business that's going to happen on the golf course and it's oh, probably absolutely. Good that you learn how to play it yeah I spoke to a friend the other day and and um her company had a golf day and she sat and rode around in the buggy all day yeah because she, she was like well I can't I can't play so I'll just sit in the buggy and I just thought that's just outrageous that she's <laughs> yeah. that she's having to do that but yeah. in that she can't miss out but no one cares that it's not something that anyone has ever taught her how to do. Yeah. And if it doesn't there. change, that's going to carry on to next generations. I mean, we've yep. got a podcast episode coming up talking about um, business, career women, okay. uh, golf relating to that. So yeah, uh, should be quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, and it's yeah. Sort of like all of these things, isn't it? So, you know, should we be putting more golf days on for women in business so they can learn how to play? Or should we be recognizing the fact that, it's not necessarily a club that you have to be in in order to succeed at business and it's the challenge back on how business is done and is that done in a really equitable way which we know the answer is no um to enable everybody to succeed um so I think it's you know like all of these things instead of looking to what the superficial problem is which is well women don't know how to play golf (laughs) let's let's look at you know how in in business we can enable women to thrive and absolutely I'm not saying that golf um doesn't have a, a great place like like any kind of team you know team building or get you out of the office and change your environment and all of those things which um which golf does and I think being in nature is is brilliant you know we're always advocating for being active outdoors in nature because that's that's you know even greater benefits we know for for well-being not just the the sort of physical ones so um it's it's I guess just making sure that we're not just fixing the women I suppose yeah. is the point I'm making that we're recognizing the role um that the culture change piece has to have in this as well yeah and I think that awareness by having these conversations hopefully will delve into that yeah um yeah no it is fascinating yeah you, you made me reflect quite a bit there <laughs> <laughs> um and I, I suppose you know thinking about um experience of my my daughter a little bit more now she plays hockey um so you're asking you know about how you how you might encourage girls who um who aren't sporty at the moment um and actually they probably are but again I think this definition of sporty is really interesting um so you know it may be or she's not sporty because she only does five sessions of gymnastics and a swim a week (laughs) you know whatever it is but actually that's you know just be realistic really realistic that from our perspective we're talking about sport and physical activity to to benefit health to give a sense of belonging and you can get that in multiple ways not just through you know through the very traditional football rugby um but my daughter does play hockey and um and she I suppose we have that uh, advantage as a family that it's very innate in how we behave um she would never question the fact that I go out for runs and I go off to play netball and so there's there's a lot of learned behavior that she is copying and yeah. things she's just taking for granted um and so that that role modeling is really important particularly from mum not just from dad um, but the experience that she has is not always great at, at hockey. Um, she's always in the minority. Um, I think do they do the... sessions for the hockey. Do they do, or do they do girls hockey and boys hockey? Yeah. So under eights and under tens, they play mixed, and yeah. then it goes to single sex under twelve. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, she's mixed, and um, so the tournament she played at the weekend, there are six in her team. She's the only girl. Yeah. Um, and the boys 
don't pass the ball. They yeah. just don't. And they they um it makes it very difficult for her to to thrive in that environment. And it it also it frustrates me from a talent development perspective. Like we want her to get better. I don't care how good she gets. I just want her to keep improving. But she goes too many tournaments where she's on a team of boys where they don't pass her the ball and she's not actually developing any skills. Yeah. So not only is she there feeling like she's not as important, but she's also not getting any better and they are. Yeah. So that mixed sport environment, and we've we um uh we released a statement on this um early uh, in September, I think. Um to talk about what what positive mixed sport looks like for girls. Yeah. Um, and there are times absolutely that we've got to protect single sex sport for girls. There's no getting away from it, particularly once you hit puberty and you know, just physically girls cannot compete with boys wow. on a on a safe and fair um sort of playing field. Um, but even down at the primary age to recognize where girls need that that time to develop their skills away from the boys who do dominate. Yeah. Um, so I think being aware that that when you you know when we think about these mixed sport environments, we've got more and more girls coming into rugby clubs, football clubs, but still probably in the minority. To be really conscious um, and to be a champion for your daughter, I suppose, in that environment, and and just you know talk about what you see, talk to the coach really openly. We can all we can all build awareness about this, and it doesn't have to be confrontational or challenging, or um, but just oh, I, I, you know, I noticed that she's really struggling to to feel part of the game. I just wondered, you know. Could we talk to her perhaps, find out what, what she'd like you to do as a coach that might help her or, you know, just keep it really, this is all new stuff. We've got to figure this out together. And, and I think, yeah, champ, champion it for your girls is really important. Yeah, no, absolutely. So talking of systematic change then, is there anything that we, we can do to, to help develop that, whether it's within part of coaching programs? So, for example, if you're a kids coach, you don't go coaching courses, it's an opportunity to implement um sort of an equality um chapter within these courses yeah even going back to um pre-birth obviously people go to is it neonatal classes yeah absolutely whereby we can get stuck into parents from an earlier stage so the children aren't receiving those subliminal messages yeah absolutely um, and it's one of the big things that we do at the charity it's kind of raise that public consciousness about yeah. about all of this um you know just planting seeds on challenging about the language that we use when we talk about our girls and our boys um from a young age um because it all it's all you know just this drip 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 effect that that adds up to something bigger it's you know no one thing in its own right that is you know causing a problem or making a difference here it's going to be the collective um bit by bit um there is lots of good stuff happening it can't happen fast enough but there's good stuff coming um so simspa which is the chartered institute of management for sport and physical activity which is the longest title ever which is why they abbreviate um looks after all of the um is the membership body basically for uh, training um in sport and leisure and they have just launched professional standards around women and girls so we now actually have a framework to say what when you're writing a qualification should you be mapping against um in terms of of what you're educating your your coaches or your fitness instructors or whatever it is around women and girls so there's there's markers like that that are now that are are, you know lines in the sand to help progress um there are i suppose there's there's a couple of parts to it because there's the as i said before there's the physiological side of the fact that 
up until now, we've never even talked about the impact of girls having periods on sport and physical activity, about what it means for their bodies. Even, you know, as elite athletes, it's been ignored for years. Um, periods have been just suppressed by using the pill. It's been an inconvenience. You know, the second, you know, there's been absolutely no chance of women having babies as professional athletes. They have to retire and then go off and have babies because, you know, would have no idea how to deal with that or rehab post, you know, um, post birth, etc. So there's lots of movement in that space, which is great. Um, I think one of the, the more interesting sides from a, a coach's perspective, I think really true for perhaps a you know a golf pro as well, is is to really understand all of this gender stereotyping and really understand where at the point that you've got a girl or a woman, no matter her age, in front of you, what her experiences are likely to have been at the point that she's getting there. Um, and it's not necessarily always about um doing something differently with boys and girls but it's just having that that understanding um the number of just having female coaches will be great and again we're seeing more coming through it's not fast enough and the second you get up at the higher levels the percentages drop so low of female coaches but the more women that we can get into the system who who are changing it from within and bringing their lived experience and giving girls that level of understanding about what may have been before um because you know for a lot of men it's it's perhaps difficult to difficult to understand and I suppose the extreme of it is the sort of sense of entitlement of of just being allowed and being able to do something and feeling safe both physically and emotionally doing something um that I think is quite difficult to to understand um so it is so important that we're we're listening to the voices of women and girls and we're we're really understanding it from their perspective and and reading as much as we can about the experiences the early experiences and what they might be and just recognizing that when we talk about it in terms of confidence we struggle with the word confidence because no one's born underconfident girls are not born underconfident it's not innate it's it's learned behavior so we're really cautious about using that word because it it's we have to be mindful of exactly what's happened to it to trigger their lack of confidence but the reality is the the way it sort of expresses is a lack of confidence um and to just understand that and to um to be more mindful about how we're coaching girls and introducing them to the sport is really really important and i think every coach can can do that quite easily yeah uh i think i know for myself as a guy like even over the last two years i've sort of looked at equality in sport and um spoke to more women about their experience in sport particularly golf and i'm still struggling to understand like how difficult because me as a guy it was pretty easy like growing mm-hmm. up in school um sport was all i did and yeah. i didn't know any any different um so yeah it's, it's really difficult for for us guys and i think it's that's why it's so important to have these conversations and, and for us really to put our, ourselves in the shoes of, of females and understand how it's been over the last 20 years but how there's also a big opportunity to change over the next 20 years and make things a lot better for the next generation um yeah. so yeah no it's, it's really important so there are antenatal classes that are available through the nhs that everyone will be offered and is very encouraged that you go to and they are very short they're a few hours long and they are covering the essentials on keeping a child alive basically um and then you've got organizations like um nct national childbirth trust that that do much longer courses but they do have big cost implications um so i think there's we've always got to be mindful i suppose about making sure that this is accessible to everybody and i think you know we could potentially do something with 
um with a with a charity that like nct about the messaging but we have to make sure that that's that's available for everybody to access um i uh, i suppose it's always back to you as well that parents parents absolutely don't mean to do this stuff you know they don't they don't mean to get it wrong and i'm i absolutely get things wrong all the time i'm constantly reminding myself to to not talk about the way my daughter looks to never not to never compliment her but to never make her feel valued by the fact that she puts a pretty pretty dress on and she looks lovely you know because i just don't talk about my son in that way you know yeah. i'll call him cute or i'll you know but he, he it's not a it's not of value um and i it's it's quite hard to do that because we're we're quite programmed and you hear it all the time oh you look so lovely in that dress and um gosh don't you look smart in your tie and, you know it's just yeah. that different tone and language um but i think it's it's very difficult to teach somebody i think it's something you probably have to just raise awareness of and for people to start to become conscious of and then you can check yourself um so yeah i i, I think it's i think it's potential but i think it's we don't want to be teaching people how to raise their kids. We just yeah. want them to understand and understand about the impact that it has on lifelong love of sport and physical activity. And for us, that's what it's all about. I think that um, that love and and why we see this this mass dropout at um, the transition from primary to secondary school um, because girls are doing sport at primary age because it's easy to do. Um, it's it's quite available at school. Um, they're often doing, as I said, kind of swimming and ballet and dance, which are all quite early specialist type activities. Actually, if you've not if you've not reached a certain level in most of those by the time you're nine years old, then you're probably you're probably looking at dropping out. Is the reality? And so, yeah. very few girls will continue those things into secondary. They'll generally drop off at the end of primary. Um, so, I think it's um, yeah, we, we haven't just we haven't cemented this love enough. It's they're, they're doing it. They don't love it enough that when it gets hard or it gets we reach these reach the barriers that we face, whether it's even that just feeling when you walk in somewhere and think, I don't I don't think I belong here. I don't think anyone's expecting me that yeah. um, it's just too easy to then give up. And what we see as well, the, the difference between mums and dads and how they treat their their children. Um, so mum is likely to support their, her daughters and sons equally. Um, yeah. in sport and physical activity dad is 20 percent more likely to encourage his son in sport and physical activity than his daughter yeah but mum probably had a less positive experience in general of sport and physical activity so at the point that perhaps the daughter comes up and says i want to give up dad's much less likely to push you know if his son comes up and says i want to stop football he'll be like, oh, i'll take you don't worry it's fine if his yeah. daughter comes up and says i want to stop football he'll probably say okay and and i've heard that from multiple parents where, where dads are just saying, I wouldn't push her. I wouldn't push her in the same way that I would my son. Yeah. Um, but because mum's got all of this baggage potentially about her experience of sport and physical activity when she was young, if her daughter says, I don't, I'm not enjoying it anymore, she says, okay, that's fine because I know how hideous it is. I wouldn't want you yeah. to carry on doing it either. So we've got all of this kind of this, this baggage and expectation that parents are carrying about how they're then reacting at the point that perhaps the daughter's coming and saying, I want to stop. So I think that is a really crucial moment for how parents can can support and 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 just not perhaps take at face value because there's so many different ways of being active and we mustn't stop that love of being active. You know, there's yeah. so many ways we've got to find another way. Like uh, growing up, dads, towards um, we grew up, it was myself and my brother, 
Um, mm. If we were ever struggling with anything, Dad would always say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Yeah. Uh, and there's no reason why you, you can't say that to your daughter, really. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that gendered language is is so interesting. And we, again, we yeah. did, we've done work with parents about words that they use and um, the top three words are the same for both boys and girls. I, I think um, funny, kind, and um, I forgot what the third one is, but kind of those fairly generic. And then the second you drop out the top three, it goes into very boy and girl words of, um, of you know, um, princess and gentle and quiet and shy for the girls and for the boys you get boisterous and active and um they're, they're just so gendered so I think parents kind of they want to assume that they, <laughs> their kids are the same thing we'll all tell, we'll all tell you our kids are kind and they're lovely <laughs> but then the second you start getting parents to distort, describe their boys and girls and it's almost like it's a personality trait sport is a personality trait it, it's yeah. not it's an activity um and and that it, it's so synonymous and I think we, in so many parts of our lives, we don't realise how that plays out. Yeah. And the, the skills that you can teach you, particularly as an early child, like going back to your project, the big sister and resilience yeah. being the, the biggest uh, yeah. trait that, that the girls develop throughout time, um, yeah. participate in that, that programme. So, um, yeah. It's, it's really and I guess that resilience comes from that feeling like you belong. It's from yeah. feeling like you're doing something that you're valued for that's what builds resilience yeah and so yeah I, I I guess by definitely we can play with our girls as much as we do with our boys at home you know why wouldn't we say to our daughters let's go and kick a football around yeah. um but I just think that's not happening as much as it could do my um my mum made me laugh because I've so she's got three granddaughters and then a grandson so um my two nieces and then my daughter and then my son and she um she was we were talking all about this and she suddenly went oh, I've just realized every time we take Alistair out we put a football in the car I never did that for any of the girls and it's just she hadn't hadn't even occurred to her they they've never played football neither of them have any interest in football my mum and my dad but suddenly they're looking after a boy and they put a football in the car <laughs> she couldn't even explain why she did it just happened yeah. <laughs> it's become second nature to, to yeah. everyone and and hopefully yeah. that, that's the cycle that that we can break over the, the yeah exactly minutes. yeah it's just just challenging it um yeah. and you know using this great opportunity we've got now with the profile of women's sport to just keep challenging what it means for girls on the ground as well as what it means for the the potential future female athletes that can now dare to dream about it yeah and uh, yeah it's going to be such an exciting time and yeah uh look, looking forward to, to the changes that are going to be upcoming over the next 10 years absolutely um, so we'll leave it there for, for today uh, thank you very much for, for joining us and uh, thanks for having me no worries cheers lisa so, uh, charlotte um thoughts on the podcast episode with lisa yeah so I found it really interesting from obviously the perspective of a female. Um, I thought it was really interesting when Lisa mentioned the stats around dads encouraging boys to do sport and to pursue a particular pathway in sport and exercise and actually it being lesser encouraged in young girls. And I think that's resonated a lot with me because I remember growing up and not really being pushed to do things I tried lots of sports whether it was like an individual or a team sport and never actually stuck with anything and I think maybe if I was 
a boy, a male, would that have been, you know, would it be more of encouraged and kind of when things are hard to, you know, just keep going? And and I heard yeah. something recently around, um, I think it was on a podcast actually, where they were talking about, you know, children and encouraging your children to do things and to to be things. And if a child wants to quit at something, then actually encourage that encouraging them to only quit when times are good. Yeah. So if things are really hard and they're saying, right, I want, I want to quit. I don't want to continue doing this anymore. I want to knock it on the head. And if that's when things are difficult, actually wait until they're really enjoying it and times are good and you know things are maybe a little bit easier for them. Then say, you know, do you want to quit now? And obviously the, the response is in most times going to be no I don't I'm, I'm enjoying it I want to continue so I thought that was really interesting and I think it kind of brought me back to what Lisa was saying and in, in how boys are definitely more encouraged and I can totally resonate with that myself because I was never pushed um and I'm not saying that's you know anything wrong on my parents but yeah they didn't they didn't encourage me to to keep going yeah. and they said okay you don't want to do any more that's fine and that was kind of the end of it maybe on to the next thing yeah I, I found it that linked into what Lisa said about um the stereotypes of boys being boisterous and maybe parents taking pride that the boys are active playing sport where parents take pride in the little girls being cute uh, yeah. shy a little bit introvert and that stereotype of how we see young boys and, and how we see young girls definitely and I I think things have shifted slightly. I have three young nieces and they're always doing sports, gymnastics, you know, different kind of activities. And I think they definitely seem to have more opportunity than when I was younger, you know, 20 yeah. years ago when I was in their situation. So I do think things are improving, improving and, and shifting and maybe the opportunities are greater than what they once were. And then, you know, going back 20 years before I was young, you know, I think things ha are slowly progressing and it is because of these conversations, yeah. but it is, it's important to, I guess, continue having them and to break that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it does start to, to or continue to improve. Um, but yeah. The, the, the one thing that I picked up on uh, in the podcast was um, when Lisa talked about the mini allies and they were talking to the young boys in primary schools and asking them all the questions about equality in sport. Uh, and they answered in all the correct way. And then when they put them on the football pitch with the girls and they just didn't pass them and they completely disregarded their answers with different behavior. And uh, yeah. I just think, are we raising it? A generation of, of bullshitters? I mean, <laughs> like, you look at like brands talk about sustainability and they say all the right things but the actions are different to what they say. And then it's also equality in sport. I think people value what they say more than what they do. And I think that's a real big problem as to why things aren't progressing as quick as what we probably maybe expected or, or would have hoped. Yeah, that's really interesting. I liked how you linked it back to sustainability as well, because I see that a lot. People kind of talking the talk, but never actually kind of actioning on what they're saying you say they yeah. value one thing but their actions are, you know show a big disconnect so I think yeah that's really interesting and I think could it be to do with that atmosphere when they are in the thick of it with the other the other young boys on the on the football pitch let's say 
and kind of, you know, I don't want to say toxic masculinity, but when yeah. they're all kind of together and they're thinking, oh, I don't care. Like I'm not, don't want the girls involved. This is a boy's sport. And yeah, I wonder if, yeah, I wonder what kind of conditioning is behind that. You know, is that like a nature or nurture type situation of what they've grown up in and the surroundings and what their parents might kind of um, reflect onto them or if it's just a, a pre disposed conditioning or belief system it's really interesting yeah interesting like you say to understand whether it is nature nurture what sort of conditioning whether it's society conditioning whether it's home conditioning uh, or whether it's school conditioning yeah and I, I guess you, you wonder as well is it a, an element of virtue signaling because people always want to be saying and doing the right thing but yeah. then when it comes to kind of just being who they truly are or letting their true colors show is that kind of just not maybe a belief system that they they do hold but they they want to say the right thing um so yeah i would definitely be interested to to look into that in more depth because i think if it starts from so young and you know as we as lisa was saying around you know when women are carrying a baby and you're talking about is it a boy or is it a girl we always go for pink for girls blue for boys and i think yes you're kind of going into the nuance of gender stereotyping there and i feel like that's quite a maybe a loaded conversation in this day and age but i think it is interesting how it's all just so conditioned from from right from the beginning of life to have these kind of stereotypes and how that will go for for the child as they grow up and and yeah go into school and go into sport and I think it's the same in the gym setting as well so if you think when you go into a, a gym or just a, a weight training gym it tends to be heavily more towards males and then women have this I know a lot of women who have this anxiety of stepping into the gym space because it is so male dominated and they might feel like they don't belong there or you know what whatever kind of um self beliefs that come around that and I do think it's it's really interesting how it all kind of just stems right from the beginning probably one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing this podcast and and why the brand beliefs and values are what they are is that I probably as a guy don't appreciate the the and maybe the anxieties and the the feelings that that women feel when they, they step into spaces such as the the gym or whether they play golf or whether they play football um i think maybe those guys take it for, for granted when we're in that setting because it maybe becomes more natural to us yeah i think i i, I think it's not intentional per se yeah. and it's nobody's fault like necessarily but i do think it's as a team our responsibility to kind of make a shift and to you know allow women to maybe feel more comfortable in in certain environments and encourage them to get involved and I think as we've spoke about in the past especially in the golf space that it tends to be that you know a guy is is playing golf and he's you know encouraging his partner or your girlfriend wife whatever to start getting involved and to come along with him and I think that seems to be how women generally I don't want to stereotype but how women generally are um introduced into the the sport and I think it's the same you know for me I kind of recently enjoyed watching a bit more rugby and it's definitely through my partner that's not something that I would have necessarily enjoyed to watch or be part of as an individual um and is that because I was never 
had the opportunity to be part of it or be involved in it. So I do think it's it's definitely yeah a kind of a group uh, responsibility to to make it more equal in a way. And um, what are your thoughts on uh, Lisa's point regarding uh, women coaches and and having that? Um, I wouldn't say influence. Well, probably yeah, that that female influence in in regards to coaching and and sort of aspiring to to play from a female perspective. Because I know a lot of the if I relate it to golf, a lot of the women get into golf schemes that are run by men and male mm-hmm. coaches. And could that have an impact on female participation? Yeah, I think I think it's like anything really. You know, if if I use this example of if you're going to a doctor as a female, you're probably going to want to see a female doctor, a male, you're probably going to want to go and see a male doctor. It's kind of, if you're in a situation where it's not, not necessarily a vulnerable situation, but in sport, there may be times when it is a bit more, you know, you, you kind of open a bit more, um, you might want to be around other women and kind of being coached by a woman who might understand your unique situation as a woman like let's let's throw in obviously women having periods every month that's something that men will as much as they try to understand they will never fully understand what that feels like and what that experience is like and all of the kind of extras that come with that and I think having a female role model coach uh, mentor who's there to kind of support through will I guess make women feel more comfortable in that space so I think yeah seeing more of that would be I do think that a lot would change and a lot would shift with that. Yeah, because I remember coming through um, IBM when I was on placement year and uh, they did a lot of fast track women in leadership roles in IT. Mm. And at the time, I, I didn't really understand why women were, were getting or the, the girls in our cohort were getting the opportunity for fast track leadership programs, whereas the lads weren't. And then as yeah. you get older, you become to appreciate the reason why that's needed is because we need to fast track women to leadership roles so that the next generation have got those role models that they can look up to aspire to and ultimately learn from yeah it's it's interesting I see, I see a lot more opportunities for things like grants and funding for female business owners female entrepreneurs and it does tend to be because you know men have had an abundance of opportunity in not just sport not just in business but kind of industry wide and i think now women are starting to be given more of those opportunities and gosh it's still not equal you know there's still a gender pay gap and you still see more male entrepreneurs and business owners you know coming from my industry or from the industry I have experience in the fashion space is absolutely full of male entrepreneurs and I think you know being able to open those opportunities for women as well uh, and encouraging them to you know have the same yeah opportunities is yeah, it's it's important, and I think you know men ne- not necessarily feeling emasculated by that, and thinking, yeah. okay, this is cool. You know, I've I've had plenty of opportunities, and I continue to have plenty of opportunities open to me. So it's good to see that what I'm part of is allowing women to have the, the equal chance. Absolutely, and I think it's just challenging that that self awareness of everyone, so that when they are put in certain situations or they see certain situations to maybe behave differently as to what they might have done prior. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just kind of questioning your own narrative as well. And, you know, we've we've all, you know, depending on who how you've been brought up as well, we all have our, 
you know, belief systems. And I think that doesn't, it doesn't have to be stagnant. It doesn't have to be something that you cannot change. You can change your mind. You can change your perspective. Um, and it's okay to do so. And I do think a lot of that comes from, like I was saying before, a bit of that toxic masculinity. And I don't want to throw that word around because I think it can have a really negative connotation, but maybe being in a group setting with other males do men want to openly say, well, I'm a feminist. I believe in equal opportunity for women without fear of it kind of being like a, you know, how that might be received, let's yeah. say. And I guess I probably um, not had that fear, but that that maybe concern. And like yeah. what I've learned in so, such a short space of time, sort of learning more about this topic is that most of the, the women who talk about this sort of stuff come from a balanced place. Like they're mm-hmm. not raging feminists that might get <laughs> all the headlines. They're actually really balanced people and and want balanced ideas. And I think it's important for us guys to to share that and have balanced thoughts and ideas. And yeah, it's it's really interesting because I remember when I was um, when I worked in an office and we were talking about feminism, and you know the guys of the conversation were kind of like, "Well, oh, no, I'm not a feminist," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Are, are you sure?" Like really think about what that means and I think a lot of men who maybe haven't looked into it or really understood what it means believe that feminism is this idea that women are now above men and you know that we should kind of have all of the opportunity and you know seeing putting women on a pedestal whereas it's not feminism is allowing for equality and seeing men and women as equal having equal opportunities and um you know being being aside one another and I think you know they were kind of taken back like oh right I didn't really understand I didn't know that's what that meant so I think it's not just that but educating as well so that people can kind of learn what what these like principles mean and um yeah being able to see a new perspective rather than just assuming what it might mean yeah I think that's a, a good note to to finish up on um the, the biggest takeaway is, is self-awareness educate yeah. yourself in it if you're in a position to educate others too um but yeah thank you charlotte for, for joining us and a big shout out to lisa as well joining for the first episode of the, the teen up equality podcast um, thank you thank you very much